This morning's scriptures uh, come to us from the Gospel of Mark and then the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read two passages, uh, first from the Gospel of, of Mark. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. If, if not, you could follow along with the words on, on your screen or in the worship guide on uh, covenantconnects.life. Um, we're going to read from Mark chapter 6, uh, the end of the chapter, beginning with, with verse 53 and following, and then we'll be moving over to Matthew 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. When they, that being Jesus and his disciples, had crossed over the Sea of Galilee, they landed in Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. And that they, they ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard Jesus was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces and they begged Jesus to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. And then we're going to move over to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read 18 uh, through 20, just a few verses there. Hearing from, uh, hearing from this Jesus, the calling of his first disciples, hear now the word. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for, they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Will you bow with me with a, for a word of prayer? <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you that you are here in this room. All of your greatness, all of your goodness, all of your love toward us here in this room. God, you're about to speak to us through your scripture, through your Holy Spirit, straight to our hearts. So I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Great. Me too. I'm doing great. Uh, my name is Zach Anderson. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Methodist Church. Uh, if you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, you know that we're going through a series on the Spirit. So we've heard so far love, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Last week was goodness, and who knows what today is. Faithfulness. Ten points to hope. Uh, she's ahead of all of you in the Bible trivia game right now. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about faithfulness. So what do you think about when you hear the word faithfulness? Because there's a lot of ways that we apply it in our lives. One of, one of the first ways that I think about faithfulness is I think back to the, the promises of marriage that I made to my wife, Kelsey, when we got married. That I would remain faithful to her, true to only her, loving no other woman for the rest of our days. 
maybe when you hear the word faithfulness, you think of that friend. That friend who's always there with a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. No matter what you're going through, they're always right there, faithfully devoted friendship on display. Hopefully one of the things that you think about when you hear the word faithfulness is God's faithfulness to you. God is faithful. He always keeps his promises. He always forgives our sins no matter what we've done. Another kind of faithfulness is our faithfulness to God, right? To, uh, to not allow our hearts to be distracted by idols, things that try and rise up in our, in our heart and the things that we love above God. We're to remain faithful, loving God above all else. Well, today we're going to talk about faithfulness to our job. A few years back, uh, I found myself, age 20, 21, uh, in a situation that was all too common. I was in Tomball. It was late at night. I was sweaty from playing sports, and I was ravenously hungry. Uh, this was a very common occurrence, and if you have been around Tomball much in this situation, hungry after dark, you know that in Tomball, they pretty much roll up their sidewalks at 8.30 p.m. or so. Uh, God bless Chick-fil-A for staying open until 10 o'clock. However, usually this was on a Sunday night after Ultimate Frisbee, and they are closed on Sundays. Every Panda Express in the United States of America is open until at least 9, if not 10 o'clock on Sunday nights. Tomball? No, sir. No, sir. They're piecing out at 8.30 p.m. every day. And so I found myself often going to my favorite late-night restaurant in Tomball, which was Walmart. Not a great situation. Uh, however, uh, one day, me and my buddies discovered that they were building a wing stop in Tomball. And, uh, and I had never been to Wingstop at this point, but I knew I loved me some chicken wings, and so I got excited. Maybe you love Wingstop. Uh, I don't, and you'll find out why here in a moment. <laughs> so it was a Sunday night, about 11 p.m. actually at this time. So Chick-fil-A wouldn't have done me any good anyways. And, uh, and I was starving. Me and some buddies were like, okay, Wingstop's open. We're doing this. We're getting some chicken wings. So we pull up to Wingstop, and we're like, okay, we're about to get some, some buffalo wings, a little ranch dressing maybe, uh, honey barbecue for those of my friends who have a weaker palate, and um, I'm not naming names. Uh, and so we, we post up in Wingstop, and we're pumped. It's 11 o'clock. They're open till midnight. We walk in. The cashier uh, behind the cash register says to me, How's it going? I said, great, and it's about to be better. Uh, how are you? He said, I'm good. What can I do for you this evening? I said, you already know. I'm getting me some chicken wings. Uh, tell me about your wings here. I've never been here before. And he said, well, actually, uh, we just turned off our ovens for the night. I said, it's 11 o'clock. And I said, what time do you close? And I knew exactly what time they close. I just wanted him to confess and feel guilty about shutting down the ovens an hour early. Uh, however, this man had no shame, and he said, midnight, but our ovens are off. And I said, this how you going to do me? Huh? Okay. 
okay? I'm going to go to Walmart then. And he said, well, no, 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 wait. We have some other food that doesn't require the ovens. And so I'm looking across the menu. I'm like, oven, oven, oven. What do you have that doesn't require the oven? Just tell me. I'm, I'm hungry. And I cannot make this up, people. This man looked me dead in the eye and said, we have celery sticks. Celery sticks? <laughs> you can give me some crunchy water? Come on. Crunchy green water. So, uh, so I turned out of there, and I went to Walmart, showed him. Can't do me like that. Got me some sandwich stuff. This man was not faithful in his job. Um, And that's the sermon, so just don't be like the Wingstop guy. <laughs> we have a job to do, and, uh, and so what is our job? Pastor Jason read for us out of Matthew. Jesus was calling his disciples, and he came across Andrew and Peter, uh, and he said to them, come, follow me. And he said, I will make you fishers for people. Or maybe you've heard, I will make you fishers of men. Fishers for people. This is our job. So let me ask you. When was the last time that you shared the gospel with someone? I hope it was recently, but, but sadly, this question is a question that all too often our answer is, I can't remember. In fact, I'll be honest, just a few weeks ago, that would have been my answer. I can't remember. Maybe you're in this room and you've never shared the gospel with anyone. So we've all heard the story of the Good Samaritan Right, We've all heard the story of the men who carried their friend who was paralyzed on his mat. And they went to the house where Jesus was, but it was so crowded in the house they couldn't get in. They went up on the roof and cut a hole in this person's roof and lowered their friend down so that he could be healed by Jesus. But most of us haven't heard the story of the people at Gennesaret. I had never noticed it before and, until I was reading through Mark a few weeks ago and and when you read through Mark, you hear that Mark often says he, he's a he's a detail to detail storyteller, and he says that Jesus would arrive at this new place, and a huge crowd would gather to where he was. Over and over again, you read it, but not in this story. And so it struck out it stuck out to me. It was different. It says that Jesus arrived at the town of Gennesaret, and you remember what it says. It says the people of the town, it doesn't say they gathered, it says they went all around the land collecting the sick and bringing them to wherever they heard that Jesus was. It's a perfect picture of what we're supposed to do. Because brothers and sisters, the sick are all around us, and I'm not just talking about physical illness. 
fact, what I'm talking about specifically is the illness of sin in our hearts. Maybe you heard the story just a few weeks ago, the Harris County Sheriff's Office lost a deputy, Deputy Sandeep Dollywall, a 10-year veteran of the Harris County Sheriff's Office, father of three, survived by a wife who loved him. People, countless person after person at his memorial service said he was such a well-loved man, well-respected by all in the community. And yet one day, he was making what seemed to be a routine traffic stop. And you see on the camera from his patrol car that he leaned over and he had an exchange with the driver. I'm imagining driver's license and insurance card. And as he turned to walk back to his patrol car, the driver of the vehicle got out, chased him down, and shot him in the back and killed him. And that's a shocking story. It's, it's unexpected, right? But, but we shouldn't be surprised when a sick person acts sick. Right? You don't get surprised when someone who has a cold is coughing and sneezing. It's just expected. And the sick are all around us. So not only do we have the sick all around us, but, but we have our own weaknesses, so when you're thinking about when was the last time you shared the gospel, maybe, maybe you fall into one of these camps. Maybe you're thinking, you know, Zach, I would love to share the gospel with people, but I just, what if they ask me a question that I don't have the answer to? Like, I don't know all the answers, and I might make Christians look bad because they know more about it than me. You relate to that? Or, or maybe you're not in that camp. Maybe you're in the camp that says, Zach, it's great to share the gospel, but there are pastors, there are missionaries. In fact, I have several friends that are just accountants in their great uh, conversation. And they're really good at turning a conversation from shooting the breeze, talking about the weather, to talking about Jesus. And I'm just not that good at talking to people. So maybe it'd be better to to leave it to those that are, right? They have their gifts and I have mine. If you're not sharing the gospel with those around you, maybe it's because you feel too weak. But our weaknesses can be strengths, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if you've ever heard me preach before, you know that I love to tell stories about my family. Uh, and if you haven't, uh, I will let you know that I'm the oldest of 10 kids. And so I have a vast amount of stories to pull from, and I will not stop uh, because they're great stories. And so I'm not sorry for it. Um, this morning, I'm going to tell you a story about my sister, Marissa. Marissa and I, as young children, uh, we fought all the time. Every day we fought. We butted heads. And the reason was that I am a rule follower to my core, and Marissa was a rule breaker to her core. Uh, and, and she would break all the real rules and make up her own rules to Candyland, and I, I hated it. 
You play Candyland by the rules. You can't look through and find Queen Frostine. Luckily, as we grew older and more mature, we became very, very close friends. And Marissa, as a young teen, she was incredibly energetic and active, incredibly fit. She was a gymnast uh, with, a, with a bright future in competitive gymnastics. Uh, she got into physical fitness and working out, and she, even, she, she loved to coach people. And so she coached gymnastics, and she even did some personal training in the fitness world. She was very, very active until one day she woke up and she couldn't feel one half of her body. One half of her body was just limp. And over the course of not that long, it shifted from just half of her body to her entire body. It was numb and she was paralyzed from the neck down. So we took her to the hospital, and, uh, and the doctors did x-rays and MRIs and CAT scans and all kind of tests, and they couldn't figure out what was causing her to be paralyzed. And so they transferred her to another hospital, and this hospital did x-rays and CAT scans and MRIs, and they couldn't figure it out either. I, I don't remember how many doctors we went to, but eventually they, they diagnosed her as, as having it be all in her head. Uh, that that it was just a, a mind game she was playing with herself or that, that she was faking it. Finally, uh, we tried out a chiropractor. And this chiropractor uh, did an x-ray like the other doctors, but he found something that the other doctors all missed. He found a fractured vertebrae in her neck. Marissa had a broken neck for a month, and nobody knew about it. And so I was dumbfounded by that. I didn't know that was possible. Uh, but the doctor said that the muscles in her back and neck were so strong that they held everything together for a month and allowed her to live a pretty normal life. We remembered back, she, she recalled in hindsight a time when she was doing a tumbling routine in gymnastics, and she fell on the back of her head and neck, and it was a really hard fall. But like I said, she, she went about normal activity for a month after that until that one day when she woke up and couldn't move. And so the chiropractor began to, to work on her and adjust her, and she would go multiple times a day, every day, and she would, she would begin to get better. And she actually um, incredibly went from not being able to feel anything or move any part of her body but her head to being able to walk around. And she'd be able to walk around right after her adjustment. But as time would go on, the further away from her adjustment, her last adjustment that she went, the weaker she would get. And she just wasn't getting better. She wasn't getting better, and the, the doctor was confused. And so my mom relentlessly researched what could cause this? Why was her daughter not getting better? Uh, and eventually, she discovered that Marissa had Lyme disease. Lyme disease is a tick-borne illness, and it manifests itself in numerous ways. Uh, and so you could have a huge range of symptoms, but basically it finds weaknesses in your body, and it attacks 
there. So she began treatment, um, but it didn't really seem to help. And she, in fact, she didn't get better. She, she got worse. Uh, over the course of several years, it was a cycle of a new problem with her health, a new treatment, a new answer to the problem, and it not working. Marissa was such a rare case. She wound up, uh, she wound up having, I, I've lost track, but 17 or 18 rare illnesses that you've never heard of and I can't pronounce. And I just remember one time having this realization that my sister was the most sick person I'd ever met. That's a tough one. And so Marissa went from having these big dreams of competing in gymnastics at a national level. Well, actually, strike that. In an international level, us Andersons are nothing if not confident and competitive. She had big dreams. And she had big dreams of having her own business as being a personal trainer. And she went from that to now being totally debilitated. And each night... She would go to bed and she wouldn't know if the next morning when she woke up, she would have the strength to get out of her bed. She developed, one of the things she developed was these seizures. And it was, it was frequent for us to be hanging out, having family time in the living room, just talking, having a great time. And then we look over and Marissa is seizing on the couch and we'd hold her, we'd give her a medicine, just hold her so she wouldn't hurt herself. I remember she got these headaches called Chiari headaches where your brain sags down because of a connective tissue disorder. And they were so intense, so intensely painful that morphine would barely take the edge off. She would just sit in her bed and rock back and forth. And when she had to, she would scream into the pillow so that she wouldn't scare the other kids. She dealt with immense pain every waking moment. Just when I thought she'd had enough, she developed a new thing that prevented her from being able to keep food down. It was like a paralyzed stomach or intestines or some kind of issue there. And, and so whenever she would eat something, she would throw it up, pretty much everything she ate. And the goal was each day... How much food can we get her to keep down? Can we get a piece of toast? Half of a half of a bagel. Just enough to get her through to the next day. And so she deteriorated. And the doctors decided to put in a feeding tube for her because 
she had deteriorated from 125 pounds down to about 75 pounds. 22 years old. But she was so joyful. She was focused on others. One morning, May the 6th, 2018, it was a Sunday. She was in the hospital during the whole process of getting the feeding tube put in. And my mom and dad were there, and my dad was reading the Bible out loud. And they were just talking about it, having church. And uh, my mom got word unexpectedly that, uh, that her dad was going to come in and, and visit. And Marissa was so excited to see him. Marissa didn't know whether or not her grandpa knew Jesus. She wasn't sure. And she wasn't willing to take the risk. She wasn't willing to let this opportunity go past without telling him about the Jesus that she knew and rested on. And so she said, Dad... Grandpa comes in, and we keep reading the Bible, but just, just turn somewhere else that talks about Jesus. I have to tell him. I want to tell him. It was not an uncommon thing for Marissa to, to shine the light of Christ into the lives of her nurses and her doctors. And that morning, her grandfather heard the gospel because of her. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Eight days later, on May the 14th, Marissa saw Jesus face to face. So you might be thinking to yourself, wow, how does she do it? How does someone going through such immense pain, struggle, suffering, illness, problems, how can she think about other people? How can she be faithful to her job? If I, was, if I was dealing with half of what she was dealing with, I'd just be focused on me. I'd be too weak. And brothers and sisters, on your own, you would be. And on your own, Marissa was. On her own. But she wasn't on her own. Marissa had a life verse. It was 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And it became very common in our family to hear her talk about this verse. I think you'll see why. Paul is, talk, is writing about having a conversation with God. And he says that God said to him, 
my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so Marissa would tell us, I'm so weak, but I thank God because my weaknesses get my own sense of strength, my own false sense of strength out of the way for God's power to be made perfect. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And Marissa's strength in the face of her great weakness, her faithfulness to share the gospel, to be a light of Christ in the midst of darkness, this dark world, It was not a result of her strength. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit producing faithfulness in her life. And so if you have weaknesses that are keeping you from sharing the gospel, you have to hear this. The same Holy Spirit that dwelled in Marissa's heart. If you know Jesus dwells in your heart in this moment. The same Holy Spirit that gave her the power to forget about her pain, to forget about her suffering, and to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. That same Spirit is in each and every one of you. So you can boast in your weaknesses. You say, I don't have all the answers. That's okay. God does. And the pressure is not on you to share the gospel well enough. The pressure isn't on you to have every answer to every question that someone might ask you. The calling on your life is to be faithfully obedient, to fish for people. To boast in your weakness that God's power may be perfected. Not perfected, may be shown to be perfect. To trust and say, I can share the gospel, I can share what I know and trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Brothers and sisters, we have a job to do. Jesus is calling you to follow him. To be a fisher for people. To gather up the sick. To meet them right where they're at. Gather them up on their very mats. And bring them to Jesus so that they can be healed. So be faithful. No matter what happens. No matter what your weaknesses are. No matter your insufficiency. No matter what Satan tries to lie and tell you, you're not good enough. Be faithful. Because it's God's faithfulness to you through His Holy Spirit that allows you to be faithful in the first place. Let's pray.
Oh God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you that you haven't put the pressure on us to win souls for the gospel. You've just called us to be obedient. Just to share the story. And trust you with the rest. Lord, speak to our hearts even now and tell us who is it that needs to hear? Who are the sick around us that need to hear? We love you and we trust you, God. Thank you for loving us first.